bum, you better chew gum. The pump don't work because the vandals took the handle. Hello and welcome to Women's Magazine. This is Global Val here at MutinyRadio.fm. You may have just heard a little bit of a podcast from Labor and Love, which is a great show that runs on Mutiny Radio every Saturday, I believe at noon. Uh, it might be 10 to noon or noon to 2, but you got to tune in to check out. You can check it out on our website too, uh, Labor and Love, the DJ, the B, covering all things uh, labor-related. And... Uh, here on Women's Magazine, we try to cover cover things human-related, woman-related, um, you know, just looking at the, the planet as a whole and, and what we can do to make it better. So uh, thanks for listening today. Thanks for tuning in. Magazine. I'm Global Val. You're listening to Mutiny Radio.fm here in San Francisco. It's a beautiful rainy day in the mission, and uh, we're happy to have the water coming on down. And speaking of uh, helping make the world a little bit better, that was a little music from the Chemical Brothers, actually, from the album Push the Button. The track is the last track called Surface to Air. Um, it's the last CD I bought. <laughs> and that was a few years ago. Um, so it's, it's a thanks for thanks chemical brothers for letting us play that. And, um, speaking of making the world a little bit better, of course it is election season if case anybody hasn't noticed. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I like to reflect on the fact that federally speaking, at least, um, women have only had the right to vote in this country since the 19th Amendment um, back in 1920. So it hasn't even been 100 years that this country, um, federally at least, granted in every state that is, uh, women had the constitutional right to vote. And uh, now we see a primary candidate uh, for president being a woman, uh, however you may feel about her, her policies, um, her background, uh, she definitely has been working hard. And uh, I remember seeing 
a picture and it was kind of striking. This was not recent. This was actually a couple years back um, when, when Hillary Clinton was the secretary of state. And um, there was a picture of her in basically the, the, the boardroom um, sitting around with a bunch of other decision makers in the state department. And um, there was kind of a series of pictures where uh, it showed uh, the real picture, and then it took it removed all the men from the picture and showed how many women were there. And there was a picture of her and all these men, you know, um, sitting around discussing foreign policy. Um, of course, I don't really agree with a lot of her foreign policy. Um, however, then you know they they take out all the men of the picture, and it's like one woman's in the room, and it's her. And you know, it's really interesting because. Uh, I feel like Donald Trump has really messed with the wrong generation of American women. Uh, you know, we've been, we, we've been, people have been fighting for women's rights for a long time now. And at least in my generation, uh, I know that I've grown up and, and my peers have grown up, uh, with, um, you know, opportunity and a sense of, uh, respect, you know, and um, and self-respect, and obviously, you know, it's it's kind of hard-earned at times, you know, when there's so much bombardment against the female form, and you know, insecurities and stuff like that. And that all happens, and that's all true. And you know, there's certainly uh, there's still the epidemic of sexual assault um, in whatever you know range of uh, actions that entails, you know, which is kind of a lot, um, but. You know, we've been pushing through and pushing away from that for a long time now. And, you know, uh, worldwide, actually, there's more women, young women than men in college. And uh, more women than ever right now are um, in the United States are the primary breadwinners for their families. So I really do think that um, however you may feel about Hillary Clinton and her you know, policies of recent years. Uh, she really has been working her way up through the old boys club, the oldest boys club in the United States. So I definitely want to give her credit for that. Um, but of course, um, she and I and all of us wouldn't necessarily be where we are today uh, without the right to vote as women. And I wanted to highlight, um, I got this kind of cool book uh, last time I was out of state. I was over in Virginia City, Nevada, which is a pretty cool uh, historic town just outside of Reno. Um, and I picked up this book called High Spirited Women of the West. Um, it's written by Anne Seagraves, who's a pretty well-known author. But this was um, a, a research historical book, and she she kind of puts together different profiles, uh, short short chapters of, of various women who uh, were a big part of the American West. And one of the women that she highlights is Abigail Scott Dunway. She, they called her the Grand Old Lady of Oregon. Um, <laughs> she um, she herself was a was a bit of an entrepreneur. I mean, she she did marry and and have uh, several children with her husband. But she herself was uh, for many years the breadwinner of her family, running kind of a kind of a trading post and um, and uh, a, a workshop. Um, but, but she ended up getting on, uh, the push for women's suffrage, um, kind of in her, kind of in her mid twenties. And, uh, she just camp she campaigned around the country for years, uh, through many, many, um, votes, um, where she saw women denied the right to vote, uh, in state after state after state. But then, um, Eventually, because she, she had settled in Oregon, um, eventually when Oregon um, granted women the right to vote, which she was seen as a very big uh, proponent of, uh, she was actually then the first woman who registered to vote in the Oregon election of 1912. And so we see that 1912, that's preceding the 19th Amendment, which came in 1920. So we definitely had uh, women in this country um, standing up for our rights um, from the beginning, really, of, of this country. And it's just been a long, hard s struggle. Um, 
But I think what we have right now are some generations of women who've been benefiting from these rights. And I hope that if you do feel like you've benefited from uh, the the work of those before us, um, let's keep in mind that there's certainly a lot more work to do. You're listening to Women's Magazine. Put apprehension of the back burner, let it sit, don't even get it lit. Don't hold back. Get involved with the gym, don't be a prick. Hot chick, be a pig. Don't hold back. The world is holding back. The time has come to. The world is holding back. The time has come to. The world is holding back. The time has come to. And now the knives. Come on, come on, come on. Time has come to push the button. World, the time has come to push the button. World, the time has come to push the button. World, my finger is on the button. My finger is on the button. My finger is on the button. Push the button. galvanize let's get into action snap into it folks um can't can't uh, can't be caught sleeping on the job of uh, making the world a better place even though i hope that you're having a relaxing friday what can i say so as we approach this coming election um i was i was reminded um by the League of Pissed Off Voters who were in here for the Common Thread Collective a couple weeks back, um, that, you know, we, we do get this huge, distracting national presidential election coverage and frenzy and all that. Um, but really, it's distracting from the fact that at a, at a local level, in, in your city or town, in your county, in your state, that voting makes a difference. You can actually enact some really big changes. And in San Francisco, holy moly, we've got a lot of things to vote on A through X. And then in the state of California, we've got propositions 51 through 67. And so I certainly hope that you've started doing your homework. Um, I feel like I'm not done doing my homework yet. But, um, you know, there's there's some things worth highlighting here. Um, some, some, some good and some bad. So... Let's let's kind of jump into it a little bit. Um, let's see. Let's start with the state of California. Um, Prop 51. I'm not talking about it. Uh, Prop 52. Uh, that's to um, allow the uh, hospitals to continue to contribute to uh, Medi-Cal. Um, it is something that certainly needs to happen to continue to support people who are on Medi-Cal. So Prop 52 gets a Global Val endorsement of yes. A um, couple things. I'm going to skip over some things. Uh, Prop 55 in California. Um, the League of Pissed Off Voters says hell yes to this one. Um, I would certainly agree. Basically, it's an extension of an income tax um, on uh, on millionaires. And uh, it's something that has been bringing in a lot of money to the state of California. And if we let that go, then uh, the state loses that money. So uh, we need, we certainly need need that to continue. So I'm going to, I'm going to agree with uh, Prop 55 and say yes, 
Prop 55. Um, Prop 56 is kind of a strange one. Um, it's about increasing the excise and the state tax on um, cigarettes, tobacco products, and now including the e-cigarettes, uh, those electronic um, deals that come with like a, you know, the nicotine oil <laughs> based uh, tobacco product. Um, it's, it's, uh, I, I'm just going to recommend that you read the fine print on that one a little bit. Basically, it's increasing uh, the tax on cigarettes, tobacco products, and e-cigarettes um, by by $2. And um, that's on an excise tax, which is generally paid by distributors, but then also on sales tax, um, which, of course, is paid at um, at the counter. Um, so passing, we imagine the retailers... Um, Distributors um, having a higher tax and retailers having to uh, up their costs. And so just a big jump, uh, creating a big jump in cigarette and tobacco product prices. Um, now, on the whole, I would say, hey, you know, the cigarettes are bad. I mean, <laughs> that's not um, a big secret. Um, but there is some question as to where that extra tax money is going to go. So I'm just going to say, um, read the fine print on Prop 56. Um, Prop 57 is a really interesting one. And uh, I kind of want to refer to my notes on this one. Prop 57 does quite a few things. Um, Oh, I'm looking at San Francisco A through Z. Jesus, there's so many. It's like a 300-page book for San Francisco and a 200-page book for California. Ay, ay, ay. All right, where am I? Prop 57. Ah, yes. Okay. So this it's, it's labeled as the Criminal Sentences, Parole, Juvenile, Criminal Proceedings, and Sentencing Initiative, Constitutional Amendment, and Statute. Wah, wah, wah. Um, all that, all that uh, jargon. Um, so basically, here, here's here's what's going on. The proposal for Prop 57 is it, it makes changes to the state constitution to increase the number of inmates who are eligible for p parole consideration. Because um, oftentimes people are, are convicted for a primary crime, but then there's kind of additional ones um, that get tagged on to the initial sentencing. So, you know, for example, if you, uh, if you steal a car, maybe you get sentenced to five years, but then, um, you actually, uh, kind of carjacked the person. So it's just like, you know, increased, uh, additional charge. Um, so maybe they, they say, well, your primary sentencing is five years, but because of these extras, um, you know, probably it's going to be more like 10. Um, so, a lot of it is is kind of looking at giving giving inmates an opportunity um, to uh, have these parole hearings once they've served the sentence for their primary offense. Um, but but to me, that's not the biggest thing about this um, about this proposition. Uh, for me, Prop Fifty Seven, um, it's really it's it's really big. So currently. Uh, juvenile offenders, people under 18, um, they can be recommended for to be tried as, a, as an adult. Um, that recommendation can come from prosecutors. It doesn't have to come from a judge. It can come through a prosecutor. So Prop 57 would change that so that it would make sure that any offense that was carried out by a juvenile first was going to get a hearing in a juvenile court to see, to determine if that juvenile should stand trial as an adult. So kind of creating a little bit more of a filter for underage people, um, hopefully to keep them out of the adult prison system if, um, and, and, and kind of giving them more of a chance. Um, it also, Prop 57, um, authorizes the Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation to award sentence credits for rehabilitation, uh, good behavior, and educational achievements. So it's kind of designed more towards the idea of what I think most people think of as the primary goal of um, incarceration is rehabilitation. Let's pe let's have people who, who do bad things in society and get caught and go to prison, let's have them better themselves before they're released, right? Um, so, you know, more um, credit for rehabilitation and education. Um, 
Yeah, Prop 57. I think I personally think it's a good one. Now, there um, it does allow parole consideration for persons convicted of nonviolent felonies, like I said before, upon completion of prison term for their primary offense, as defined. Um, now, there are some, some, uh, well, some holes in that. Um, legally, there's a very narrow definition of what nonviolent means. Um, so it's kind of case by case. Um, so people who actually have committed, uh, crimes that do have a violent element may not actually qualify, may, may actually, um, not be, have been convicted as like a violent crime. So, um, there's, there's, there's a lot to, to, to kind of see how this would play out and the sort of regulations that would be adopted and implemented and how that how it would actually all shake down but i think ultimately prop 57 is trying to look out for juvenile offenders um giving them a chance in juvenile court before they're you know automatically you know sent up to the uh, adult court um adult prisons um it's it's giving nonviolent offenders a chance to actually have a parole hearing after they've served um for their primary offense um and uh, hopefully, you know, getting the state to spend less money on uh, incarceration. So I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of 57. I'll say that. Um, but of course, these are just these are just my humble opinions. And let's see. Um, 58. No comment. Uh, 59. Uh, yeah. Um, basically it's kind of a gesture, uh, allowing the state of California assemblies and, uh, and house to, to try to vote, to put forward an, um, a statement to try to repeal, uh, or amend, um, the constitution, uh, basically in response to the citizens United, um, decision in the Supreme Court in 2010, which granted uh, corporate personhood, um, giving giving corporations basically a, a, a blank slate to um, to write a blank check um, and campaign contributions. So obviously, um, corporate influence on our political system has got us in the mess we're in today. So although it's just more of a gesture about what we could possibly do in the future, um, I certainly think it is a worthy gesture to support. So I'd say, yeah, Prop 59. Um, Prop 60, I'm not going to comment on condoms um, in adult films. I really don't know enough about that to say so. Um, and um, Prop 61. Now, this is a big one. This is a really strange one. And I personally don't know how I feel where, where I'm going to fall on this one yet. Um, Prop 61 makes the state of California um, able to not pay. Basically, so the, the Veterans Administration um, usually gets the lowest prices for the prescription drugs from the pharmaceutical companies. Prop 61 would state that California uh, hospitals, um, state programs, things like, you know, uh, that would, would have to only pay as much as the veterans pay. So kind of a negotiating, uh, it's kind of a negotiating um, proposition. Now what's interesting is that Bernie Sanders has been campaigning for this uh, in California. He's saying support Prop 61 because it's going to force the pharmaceutical companies to actually pay, play fair. Now, opponents to Prop 61 say, well, if if California says we're not going to pay more uh, than than the Veterans Administration pays in, in the state of California, then wouldn't the pharmaceutical companies then just raise their prices in general and raise prices for the veterans and raise prices for everybody else? Well, that is the question of the day. So Prop 61 is a big one. Um, and again, I don't know how I feel about it personally. Uh, I, I think it could go either way. Uh, I think it's a, a nice idea. Um, but I don't know how it would play out. But I guess that's what pharmaceutical companies want us to fear. You know, like, oh, no, we can't take on the pharmaceutical companies. They're just going to raise our prices. So you know what? We might as well say yes to 61 and see what happens. However, of course, it could totally backfire and raise everybody's prices. So you might want to say no to 61. Just giving a little, a few little highlights. Um, Prop 62 is a big one. 
Uh, it is to repeal the death penalty in California. Now, there's also an, a, an, another death penalty um, proposition on the ballot, that's Prop 66, which would actually accelerate executions in California. So again, I'm not here on a moralizing crusade. Uh, it's a very complex issue, how you feel about the death penalty. But um, if you want to stop killing in the name of retaliation, then you should say yes on 62. Um, or if you, uh, if you believe in the death penalty and you think that it's a wonky system that takes too long and you want to say, yeah, let's just make it happen faster, whew, that's, that's kind of a hard one to swallow, but then you would probably support Prop 66. Um, so again, do, do your homework. I'm, I'm just touching on things here. Um, I'm not, uh, Prop 63, mm, I'm not, I'm not getting into that right now. Um, that's, uh, it's, it's about the ammunition control. There's a lot of other laws that are already in place. Um, it actually does change uh, some, some of the laws where, I, I don't know, read about 63 on your own. Please read the fine print. And um, ah, now we've come to Prop 64 here in California. Um, marijuana legalization. Hmm, I don't really know how I feel about that. stop off uh, prop 64 legalized marijuana no comment this is global val here you're listening to women's magazine on women on uh, mutiny radio.fm here in san francisco my hometown and we were just talking about the state propositions here in california just just talking about if some of them um you know a, a few i feel more strongly about than others um but certainly 
do your homework. Um, so we stopped off Prop 64, marijuana legalization. Um, you know, California was a pioneer in medical marijuana. We were the first state to pass Prop, Prop uh, 15, 215 back in the 90s um, that that legalized medical marijuana in the state of California. Um, of course, we've seen huge um, federal raids, um, you know, basically a, a back, you know, a big slap across the face where um, federal agencies, because marijuana is federally illegal, um, come in and take over you know, legally operating state businesses um, who are trying to help people get their medicine. Um, so California did pioneer the medical marijuana um, initiative, which of course has gone um, across the country and in, in most states now. Um, but actually, don't quote me on most states. I don't know how many states there are, but I know it's a lot. Um, but uh, you know, it's still not legal recreationally, folks. Um, but it is in Colorado. It is in Oregon, uh, state of Washington, Washington, D.C. Um, so I think it might be California's time to shine on Prop 64. And one other thing about Prop 64 that I think is really important, um, not just legalizing marijuana for recreational use for people who are 21 and older, um, but one thing that uh, Prop 64 also can do is that it can authorize resentencing and destruction of records for prior marijuana convictions. So that's a big deal. Um, anyone who's ever applied for a job and, you know, a background check application asks you, you know, have you ever been uh, convicted of a crime or a felony? Um, you know, and then some of them say, you know, well, marijuana doesn't count, um, which is nice. And then others say, you know, even marijuana, you know. So, I mean, it, 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 records, right? It's, this will go down in your permanent record. So Prop 64 authorizes resentencing and destruction of records for prior marijuana convictions. Um, so Prop 64, I said no comment, but of course, I'm going to say Yes. Um, a couple more from the state of California. Yay. Um, we've got Prop 65. Again, there's there's a con there's an opposing proposition, which is Prop 67. And here it's like the battle of the plastic bags. Um, Prop 65. Um, and, well, OK, let's start with Prop 67. Um, in place in California, uh, there's a ban on single use disposable plastic bags from most big retailers, um, there's a there's a charge, there's like a ten cent charge that the retailers have to have to now charge people who need a bag, um, and Prop sixty seven continues that expands that plastic bag ba bag ban. Um, you know, if you if you read anything about the Pacific Garbage Patch, it's it's really. A, a horrendous uh, reality that off the shore, out in the Pacific Ocean, is a gigantic continent of plastic. Um, so this is a pioneer, you know, the, the plastic bag ban, again, California pioneering environmental um, ideas here, uh, trying to keep plastic out of the ocean. So this is an environmental uh, this is part of the environmental movement. Uh, Prop 67 upholds the plastic bag ban, expands it uh, in many ways. Um, and again, retailers you know, may also charge uh, 10 cents for you to use a bag. Um, now, before retailers had to charge 10 cents for you to use a bag, they didn't charge at all. Um, it was just part of their cost that they ate. They gave away bags because people needed bags. Um, so. What we have on, on the opposite side, so yes, Prop 67, what we have on the opposite side is Prop 65, which is kind of put on by the plastic bag lobbyists industry. Um, and it's kind of a deceptive proposition because it's saying, well, we should take that 10 cents that everybody pays and put it into this environmental fund. There is no such fund. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's real wonky. Um, like one needs, if, if one gets more yes votes than the other, I mean, it's just strange. I know I'm not sounding like an expert here. I'm not, I'm a citizen and I'm trying to make sense of what the hell is going on in these voter guides. Um, 
So I'm going to say yes, Prop 67. No, Prop 65. Um, yeah. So that actually, those are all the state propositions. What do you know? But I do hope you go uh, into your voter guidebook. I, you can look online as well and uh, read the fine print. I know it's not exactly riveting at times, um, and there's so much to be voting on. But again, don't feel, don't get too overwhelmed. Right? Focus in on things that seem important to you. Really learn about it. Make up your mind. Talk to people. Get other people's opinions. That's what democracy is about. And uh, we hope you exercise your right to vote on November 8th, coming up in the general election. Uh, you're listening to Women's Magazine here on Mutiny Radio. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And I thank you for listening. And we'll be back in just a couple minutes. going to play some music. And then oh, I might just have to back off and... Just just play nice, because politics are ugly. I do, however, (laughs) while we're on the topic, uh, we were talking about Prop 64, Marijuana Legalization Initiative Statute. Um, (laughs) I just wanted to read a a little bit from the voter guide, the California voter guide. Um, This is part of the uh, analysis by the legislative analyst. There's, a, there's an inset box here um, to educate people about what it means to, to consume or use marijuana. I'm reading directly from the California Voter Guide. Quote, how do individuals use marijuana? Smoking. The most common way individuals use marijuana is by smoking it, typically Users smoke the dried flowers of the marijuana plant. Dried marijuana leaves can also be smoked, but this is rare because leaves contain only small amounts of tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC, which is the ingredient in marijuana that produces a, quote, high. Marijuana leaves, flowers, and stalks can also be processed into concentrated marijuana and smoked, Examples of concentrated marijuana include hash and hash oil. Concentrated marijuana is much stronger than dried marijuana, often containing five to 10 times the THC levels found in dried marijuana flowers. It goes on. How do individuals use marijuana? Vaporizing. Some users consume marijuana with devices called vaporizers. A vaporizer heats up dried marijuana or concentrated marijuana, but does not burn it. This heating process creates a gas containing THC that is inhaled. How do individuals use marijuana? Eating. Marijuana can also be added to food. Edible marijuana products are typically made by adding THC from the plant into ingredients, like butter or oil, that are used to prepare foods such as brownies, cookies, or chocolate bars. (laughs) How do individuals use marijuana? State of California, tell me. Other methods? Other less common ways of using marijuana include drinking beverages infused with marijuana and rubbing marijuana-infused lotions on the skin. And that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, legislative analyst of California, for telling us how do individuals use marijuana. Prop 64. Ha <laughs> ha Yeah.
You are listening to Women's Magazine with Global Val here on MutinyRadio.fm, San Francisco, my hometown. And we've been talking about the state propositions. Next week, next Friday, I'm going to be talking more about the local San Francisco propositions, literally propositions A through X. And I have a a bit more information and comment on those uh, than the state ones that I touched upon today. Again, just do your homework, please. Um, You don't have to vote on everything. I don't always vote on everything. I try. I really try. Um, But if you're wondering a little bit more about if you're in San Francisco, um, we do have uh, several women who are running for the Board of Supervisors, uh, namely Sandra Lee Fewer in District 1. Um, In District 9, which is here in the Mission District, Hillary Ronan, who's been uh, working in David Campos's office for the past several years. Um, And then also uh, Kimberly Alvarenga is running in District 11. There's a a couple other women who are running as well. I don't have off the top of my head. Um, oh, yeah, District 9, Hillary Ronan, um, and also Melissa San Miguel. Um, so, yeah, a lot of women on the ballot here in San Francisco. And then, of course, at the state level, um, you know, Jane Kim is running for state senate. She's up against Supervisor uh, uh, Scott Weiner. They're, they're vying for that seat. Um, and then in the U.S. Congress, uh, Jake, Jackie Spear of District 14, which is right here in the Bay Area, right here in the peninsula, she's up for re-election. Um, and we're also voting for a U.S. Senate spot. Yes, the Senate. Um, and Kamala Harris is running for that position. So a lot of women on the ballot this year. Um, it's good to see. And um, if, if you're more interested, if you're interested in learning more about some of the women who are running for supervisor, you can look at the archives of Women's Magazine uh, on the mutinyradio.fm website. Um, I interviewed Sandra Lee Fewer, Hillary Ronan, and Kim Alvarenga on March 18th earlier this year. So you can listen to that podcast and get to know those candidates as well. But like I said, next week, we're going to be talking more closely about the San Francisco propositions. And I may, to be confirmed, I may actually be receiving a phone call from the president of the Board of Supervisors, Ms. London Breed. Um, So that is to be confirmed. But I believe that is it's definitely in the works. Um, she actually came in and we interviewed her. Diamond David and I interviewed her back in 2012 when she initially ran for the Board of Supervisors. Um, of course, she was um, then elected by her peers to be the president of the board after David Chu moved on to the state assembly. Um, so I hope to uh, get a chance to talk with uh, London Breed next Friday on Women's Magazine. I will keep you posted. Follow the Facebook page. So as I said, I kind of wanted to... Uh, you know, kind of lighten things up because um, it's felt like a very heavy election season and it's not over yet. We still have another week and a half before the, um, the final votes are cast. And so, um, I wrote a poem this morning that, uh, I was sitting, I was sitting there, um, well, you'll hear it in the poem of where I am, but, um, it was just a, it was a real special moment because, uh, it was so peaceful that it, It just kind of made everything else drain away. So, this is a fresh one, folks. As I sit, dipping a croissant into a cup of hot chocolate, I'm reminded of Paris. Looking out through a worn window pane into the shifting rainy day, which has dampened the adjacent brick walls of the coffee shop parking lot where nobody stirs except the birds. There on a wire yonder, pigeons gather and huddle and sometimes flutter away, swoop high or low, hopping from roost to roof. Even the seagulls wear a graceful white in flight of this gray morning. And a brighter light dawns in a farther distance beyond buildings and blocks. And for this moment, I am brought back to Parisian moments when love and warmth lives in my whole body, even without a soul next to me. Thanks for tuning in to Women's Magazine today. I'm Global Val. Just remember, 
Just when your aspirations seem outrageous, that inspiration is contagious. Peace. Thank you. And don't forget your civic duties and your civic rights. Stay tuned for the Common Thread Collective coming up next, the three o'clock hour here on mutinyradio.fm every Friday. Everybody have a safe, happy Halloween. Keep it fun. Keep it light. Keep it real.
dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 40 